If you have been waiting to get your hands on some Ag Chicks merch, now is the time to do so. All of the Ag Chicks merch will be on sale on the website. If you use code AGCHICKS at checkout, all of the Ag Chicks merch, meaning hats and t-shirts and stickers, will be on sale to help you prep for the holidays and make sure that everyone has some Ag Chicks merch going into the new year. Today's guest is a fifth-generation cattle producer from North Dakota. Shay has embraced her entrepreneurial spirit and passion for the beef industry and used them to start collaborative learning communities for cattle producers. It all started in 2019 with her podcast, Casual Cattle Conversations, and has since branched out to offering mastermind events, rancher minds, and a newsletter. When Shay isn't podcasting, she splits her time between her husband's family farm and her parents' ranch. Shay believes in the future of the beef industry and that ranchers can be successful as long as we all take initiative and responsibility for our own actions and the future. Hey y'all, this is Allie Spears, your host of the Ag Chicks podcast, where I cultivate connections with the women who are helping feed the world. Okay, Shay, I'm very excited to have you on today. I feel like this is a long overdue episode, uh, but I can't wait to kind of chat with you and get to know you more today. Uh, But first, a huge congratulations is in order. Congratulations on getting married like last weekend. Yeah, it's been, I don't know, eight days, nine days, something like that. Yeah. That's insane. Well, congratulations. so the new last name, remind me? Warner. Warner. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, exciting Professionally, stuff. like, doing, like, it will be Warner, but I'm just calling myself Shea Keister Warner for a while until people get used to the change. Until I get yeah. used to the change, that might be the biggest thing. <laughs> right. The transition all in your, in your personally and then kind of everything you have professionally going on. I know that's something that... Um, I'm excited for that phase in life, but also like, oh man, the lot's going to have to change in terms of everything that my name's on anywhere. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. And whatever, for whatever reason, Facebook glitched and wouldn't let me change it. And I was like, oh, well, maybe next week I'll just be Easter <laughs> for a while longer. <laughs> right. I was sitting, sitting the newness, but with my old last name. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. So I feel like I, now you are probably the third person who like got married and then like the next week they were on the podcast. So I feel very lucky to be a part of this new journey with you. <laughs> well, it like worked out perfect. Cause I like was able to, I kind of put a bunch of stuff on pause, like before the wedding. And I'm just like starting to get back into stuff as I move and set up my office and whatnot. And I was like, Oh yeah, podcasts will work this week. Cause I have one right after this too. <laughs> so perfect. yeah. Get them knocked out. Right. Mm-hmm. And did you guys go on a honeymoon? Are you going to go on a honeymoon? No, we're going to go in January because we're still combining beans. Haven't even got to corn yet. Weaning calves. My husband is uh, does a lot of independent crop consulting. So he's just trying to soil sample and do all that. We were trying to beat the snow, but that didn't happen. So we just kind of said, you know what? We're going to go somewhere warm in January. And yeah, so... Yeah, literally the day after the wedding, he was back in the field, which I expected nothing less. <laughs> right. Getting a getting good kind of view into the future, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Shay and I were just kind of talking before we started the episode about just the crazy weather and everything. Um, 
that's been going on here in Texas, but then she said that they still, or they already have snow up there. So, um, I don't know Weather's such a weird thing to me. Like the fact that you can have something in one place and then you can even be in the same state and it can be completely different. That's just always been something that's intriguing to me. Yeah, I know. Cause our- we got, we're, we only got like probably three or four inches, which isn't bad, but like my sister who's two and a half, three hours away, got more like a foot. And there are other part places of the state that got, you know, either less or more. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Well, uh, speaking of weather and kind of states and everything, let's kind of start at the beginning with you, if that's all right. Uh, so you grew up where? Let's tell everybody where you're kind of originally from. Yeah. So I'm originally from North Dakota. So my hometown is Steele, which is about 40 miles east of Bismarck. It's right on the interstate. Or if you know where Fargo is, it's about two and a half hours west of there. So whichever, usually people are familiar with those two towns in North Dakota. So I can usually kind of pinpoint it at some point. Um, We're most well known for our big gas station. (laughs) That's about it, but it's a great community. And currently I am back in North Dakota and I just moved to Wishick, which is like an hour south of steel. So basically still feels like I'm right back home. Yeah. That's nice to be kind of close to family and then, but also independent as well, right? Have your own own stuff going on, but know that they're not too, too terribly far up the road, quite literally. Well, yeah. Well, it's nice because I mean, it is an easy drive. It's almost a straight shot to my parents' ranch from where where you're at on his family's farm now. And so I get to have the best of both worlds and drive back and forth and help both places amidst all my own podcasting and rancher minds and whatnot. So it's uh, already been a wild nine days. <laughs> it sounds like it. Goodness gracious. And then you threw some snow in there. So, you know, yeah. good times. <laughs> I don't know what I do okay. if my, if I, if I, I don't know what I do if I set my life up to be like easy, you always got to have a challenge. Oh my gosh. No joke. That's it. We, my mom and I have been set up in round top for the last couple of weeks, which is like a huge antique fair that goes on here. And, uh, there was crazy rain. And so like our, where we had the trailer that we were renting, that we were staying in, like completely flooded, like sewage was everywhere. Like it was an absolute disaster. And we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, we just had to laugh. Like that's just our lives. Like something's going to go wrong and we just have to have to be prepared for that. (laughs) And it's not worth the energy to get too upset over the stuff you can't control. Yep. 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 Put the rubber boots on and roll on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So you grew up in North Dakota and then did you, I mean, I know you guys have a family operation um, Mm -hmm. for cattle and stuff, but was, did you think that you would be involved in some capacity like when you were younger or no, not on your radar? So I would say like, that went back and forth when I was younger for a while. Like I would say by the time I got to high school, I was like, yes, I want to be involved in some capacity in ranching. I wasn't sure if that would be my family's operation, um, someone else's operation, starting my own. I didn't know. I knew I wanted to be involved in beef production. Um, obviously I wanted the opportunity to go back to my family's operation, but I had an older sister too. So I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. And then By the time I was graduating high school and starting my first year of college, I actually went to college in Nebraska at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. My sister was 
see, I was in college when she got engaged and then getting married and moving to her husband's operation. So that's kind of when I was like, it worked out timing wise because I knew there was going to be more of an opportunity for me to return and be involved in my family's operation at that point because she was not. So yeah, I guess I've always known that I wanted to be involved in beef production. It's always something I'd been passionate about, but I didn't know what it looked like. I kind of, I really allowed myself to explore those options through 4-H and FFA, science fair stuff in high school. And then once I got to college, I even tried to explore it even more through internships, starting my own business, um, just taking on a lot of different experiences wherever I could to see what I, I think I, you know, sometimes you take experiences to see what you do like, but I always say sometimes it's more important to figure out what you don't like. And that's kind of what a lot of my internships and other events led to. I met great people, had great experiences, but it was really pointed me back to maybe what I already knew and just reaffirmed that I wanted to be involved in a family operation. Yes, I could not agree more. That's something that I totally like. The fact that you said that is so funny because I was just having a conversation with a prospective student who is thinking about poultry science as their major for uh, Texas A&M. And they were asking about internships. And I said, you know, sometimes it's better for you to figure out, like go to Tennessee for the summer and figure out, hey, I absolutely love it. Or, oh my God, I hated it. I will never go to a processing facility ever again because that's just one step further like in figuring out what you really want to do. So uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of finding out, figuring out the no's as much as the yeses as well. Um, so, okay, moving to Nebraska, how was that? Was it like probably not complete culture shock because it's not, it's far, but it's not like ridiculously far, right? Culture shock, the culture was very similar. Yeah. I would say there were a few quirky things, which every state has. I mean, it, the big thing, everyone makes fun of my Northern accent, right? My O's are long. I say bag instead of bag, all that stuff, you know, the good old jokes, which I was mm -hmm. used to because in high school, I'd go on national junior at Angus trips. So I, I knew people were going to, you know, laugh with me about that stuff. And I'd kind of, you know, laugh back at them, but yeah, culture wise, very similar, very the same. I do kind of miss my Nebraska winters. Cause it would, it would be like winter, but it wasn't like as cold and snowy as North Dakota. So I think the biggest thing for me was like, I was nine hours from home. It was exactly 600 miles door to door. And it was like, it had to be like a four day weekend almost I had to like make it almost a four day weekend for me to be like worth the drive because it'd right. be like basically two full days of driving and then you know you'd hope you'd get two at home so that was the biggest thing was being away from home being away from the ranch learning to live in a city was more of a bigger adjustment than being in Nebraska in general do you think you would ever live in a city again after that experience I mean, there were components of the lifestyle that I got really used to, like just having my Sunday mornings or maybe a looser Saturday because I didn't have as many chores. I mean, it's definitely an easier lifestyle in a lot of ways, but the trade-offs of that were the peace and quiet that comes from living on a farmer ranch and um, I feel very fulfilled by hard work and it was really hard for me to find that. I mean, I kind of found it. I'd work out a lot and do routines like that, but in, and my friends 
had, you know, either rodeo horses there or there were animals in the animal science building and stuff, but it was, nothing was ever as fulfilling as like taking care of cattle or horses or dogs or anything like that. So I don't know if I could really move back to the city, especially now that I'm getting used to like living on a farm and ranch again, it'd be pretty tough for me. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I lived in the city in Dallas for four months, five months, I guess it was. And yeah, I mean, there was definitely conveniences of like going three minutes, three minutes up the road and being at the grocery store. Oh yeah. Uh, Like that was like a big grocery store that had everything you needed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't know. I think now being back out in the country and I don't know, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could go back unless, I mean, there was some reason that I had to, then obviously you do what you have to do, but, uh, yeah, it's a hard lifestyle to get, get rid of once you're, you're back in it for sure. Mm -hmm. And what did you study at? Um, Animal science was my major, but I went down there for the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program, which is mm-hmm. a mouthful, but it was founded by Paul Angler, who was the founder of Cactus Feeders. Yeah. And so I went down there. That was a minor that I was in. And there was also like, it's called the Nebraska Beef Industry Scholars Minor, another mouthful. So <laughs> I think it, the biggest thing for me why I went to Nebraska is I wanted to do my own thing, try something different. Um, step out of my comfort zone. Like NDSU would have been our land is our land grant university. And my sister was there. I had a lot of friends there. I had spent a lot of time there in high school just for 4-H and FFA stuff. So it was comfortable for me, but yet also didn't quite feel right. And then I toured Nebraska and I was like, well, this is uncomfy, but feels like home at the same time. So it was like, well, this, this is the right answer. And just to have that animal science degree coupled with those two minors really, was going to give me the most experiences for what I wanted and help me figure out what I wanted to do because I've always known that I wanted to have my own business. Like that's always been the goal. Like I've known since high school that I just wanted to be my own boss. So yeah. And that's what the opportunity was for me to get me there faster. By ranchers for ranchers together. Let's make ranching easier. Previously known as Cattle Back Box, Strayhorn has rebranded to better match their ability to push the envelope in creating innovative animal management products to serve the ranching community. Strayhorn is rooted in tradition and ranching legacy, but they believe in the opportunity of looking at things with a new perspective to drive the industry forward. Check out all of the things that Strayhorn has to offer you and your herd. I think uh, what you said too about kind of wanting to do your own thing, I can definitely relate to that just from uh, my personal journey in terms of college and everything, leaving California, coming to Texas. But I think you said it perfectly in the fact that like it was uncomfortable, but it felt like home. And that is mm-hmm. so spot on because I can, that's exactly how I felt. I was like within five minutes on campus, I was like, these are my people. I know no one, but these are my people. Like that's yeah. kind of how I felt. I don't know a soul, but we're family now. A hundred percent. Yes. Yep. Yep, Yeah. No. So, and it always makes me wonder too, like if I would have stayed in California or like gone to Cal Poly or gone somewhere else, like how much different my life would have been, you know, just like in retrospect, what would I be doing now? Would I be still on the journey that I'm on? Would I be working a corporate job? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to think about. I've thought about that too, but I always, you know, think, 
no matter which choice you take, God gets you where you need to be at some point. It's a matter of if you're listening and take the more streamlined approach, which is never going to be perfectly streamlined anyways, or if you choose another path. So, but yeah, yeah. that thought has definitely crossed my mind too. It's like, well, if I would have gone to Fargo, how would things have looked differently? Like, would I have mm-hmm. my podcast? Would I have my business? Would, you, you know, would I have met my husband sooner or later or, you, you know, everything just kind of, you can think about that stuff, but I try not to, cause I, I love the path I chose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would not have it any other way either. Uh, yeah. It's so, okay. So you graduate and did you start, so what was the first business, the podcast? Yeah. So I started the podcast when I was in college, actually. Okay. I okay. Started- that's right. I knew that. Mm-hmm. I started my podcast, Casual Cattle Conversations, when I was 19. I was right before, it was the August before I started my sophomore year of school. So it was like okay. a few weeks before classes started. I finally hit launch. I'd been working on it for like the majority of my freshman year, but was just too scared to like ask a guest to be on the show and, you know, do all the things that come with podcasting. And finally, one of my mentors and he was the main professor at, in the entrepreneurship program I'm, I was in. And he was like, Shay, like, just get over it and start. And which I hate the words just start because it's like, yeah, but just start where, mm-hmm. where do I just start? And so, and that's something I try and help other podcasters when they get started with too, is like, a, we'll give you a little bit of a guideline of where to just start. But yeah, so I started the podcast and then within six months of that, I monetized it through advertising, which is early for a lot of podcasts but I had some great support and that was a lot of fun and it's just been growing ever since and then I added on a newsletter and I do some blogs here and there but I still was looking for something more so I started doing mastermind calls for ranchers they're called rancher minds and so they're essentially Q&A sessions between one and three experts and about 10 to 15 ranchers from across the country. We all hop on a Zoom call once a month about a specific topic and we just have very constructive Q&A conversations and they get to ask the questions that matter most to them. And yeah, those are a lot of fun. They're very fulfilling to be able to connect ranchers to these experts that they have are needing, have been like trying to connect with, but didn't even know they were out there type of deal. So yeah. Very cool. Okay. So I want to start back kind of with the podcast for a second, and then I want to come back to Rancher Minds. But so for the podcast, was that something like you just, where did you get the idea to start a podcast or how did you decide that was kind of the route you wanted to go? So I'm really passionate about like obviously animal science, but communication and education, specifically education. Like I'm such a learner. And when I was thinking about like career paths at 19 or whatever, 18, 19, it was kind of like, okay, I liked the concept of extension, but it wasn't quite right for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, and, and I also knew there were some, maybe some red tape or regulation or more hoops to jump through that when you are in that system, while it's still very valuable and important, but I was just kind of like, well, how can I still connect with cattle producers without having to go through some of that and pulling extension into help and pulling in other experts to help? Because when I think about how 
my dad learns, my grandpa learns, my sister, my mom, myself, and a lot of other cattle producers that I looked up to, a lot of it was they were reaching out to other cattle producers. They were having conversations in the hallways at conventions. They were having phone calls after these events or just maybe not even going to the events, but just calling people, whether it was the neighbor, whether it was someone across the country, just trying to learn. And so I was like, well, with the way technology is, there's no reason that can't be amplified. And I had originally like looked at, you know, maybe start a Facebook group or a website. And then it was kind of recommended to me like, well, you could, you know, look at a podcast too. And I was like, I'm actually more of a writer than a speaker. So for me to start a podcast, I was like, mm, I don't know. Like I knew I was good at public speaking, but podcast seemed a little iffy for me, but then I started doing it and I, I love it. It's so fun. Like just the more laid back conversations you can have just pull out so much more information and it's, yeah, that's kind of, so it's kind of a combination of me feeling out how to kind of solve this problem of getting ranchers more connected to solutions and ideas and kind of stretch their mindsets and provide more resources and how do you do that in a way that's easy for them to consume? Because podcasts, they can listen while they're feeding cattle. They can listen while they're driving. You know, they, you can listen anywhere. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things I think I love most about podcasting too, is that it's, it's kind of like intimate because you're right either like in someone's earbud or on their radio uh, or on their phone or whatever. Um, and they can access it from anywhere, no matter what they're doing. Instead of like where, you know, social media, like you typically have to be sitting, looking at it. You're kind of captivated by not only someone else's content, but however many other people that you're following. And so podcasting, I think is just so different. Um, now I do wish there was a way to connect with audiences a little bit better. I wish I knew who, like who was listening. Yeah. And that's yeah. one thing like I've even found, you know, through monetization stuff, that's obviously a typical question of like, who's your audience, which mm -hmm. I know who they are just from like my own personal, like retros, like in diving into analytics and stuff, but I don't know, I couldn't name them. Like, you know how in other businesses it's like, yeah. find your Jill, who's your Jill, you know what I mean? And like, I don't know who my Jill is particularly. <laughs> I know. And that's something that, that's part of the reason I started Rancher Minds too. Cause I was like, podcasting is so intimate and like, people will like email you or message you and like yeah. they feel like they know you which is like really cool and also kind of creepy but really mm -hmm. cool like I wouldn't trade it for anything but I feel that same way when I listen to other podcasts too I'm like oh I know her and I'm like Shay you've never met her in person <laughs> like you don't know her she doesn't know you exist like right. you know but yeah that's and as far as like going back to your point about finding like your Jill or your ideal listener when you're trying to like monetize and whatnot. I mean, it's, you can figure it out by looking at like your topics, you know, which episodes are performing better. Obviously like you create content for a specific ideal customer. Right. And like, if you continue to stay focused on that, you're going to pull those people in. And so if your content shows that you can relate that to advertisers and all that good stuff, but yeah, that's definitely a gap in the podcast world and like especially like for me with ranchers people will be like well of your ranchers like how many head do they have and I was like okay you know you're not supposed to ask that question even yeah. though I think I don't know I'm okay with that question because otherwise how do people learn but like it's also like you can't always tell 
And I, I've tried surveys and stuff and I got some feedback, but it wasn't statistically significant enough compared to like the people who answered compared to the people who are listening. So it was like, well, what, what point was it? Like the people who answered, I literally already knew who they were, what they did. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. That's kind of been the, I guess at this point for me, just as things are starting or not starting, but like continuing to grow, it's kind of fine tuning things. And then randomly like analytics will change. And like, I've always had a very big female audience, obviously, right. Mm -hmm. I focus on women in agriculture, but like randomly I've had a huge male like listening listenership, which is interesting. Cause I'm like, how are they finding me through wives, girlfriends, just randomly? Like that's always been interesting too, in terms of like an audience journey. Um, like how do they get, how do they get here? But surveys and all that stuff is definitely helpful. It's just kind of getting, I guess the right people to answer them can sometimes be a challenge too. I know. And like, I'm good at answering surveys, but I wasn't until I had my own business and realized they were important. Yeah. Like, that's I, the only reason, like, there's a lot of times I'll open a survey exit out and be like, Shay, you need to go back and help this person because you would want them to do the same for you. And I just, then we go do it. But no, I'm the same exact way. I didn't care until I started my PhD. Cause you know, I mean, that's like how people are collecting data for their studies. And so same thing, I would vlog it. I would like open it and be like, oh, it looks long and exit out. But now I like try to make a point to at least do one survey a week when I get them in my email, because <laughs> that's how people are completing studies. So um, yeah, just funny, funny, the evolution, but I agree too, because I am, I would say I'm good at public speaking, but I'm awkward in person, like one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so podcasting has been such a personal journey for myself because I don't like I'm not scared to talk to people anymore like I was the 20 year old that needed my mom to call to make me a doctor's appointment like that was me and so now I feel like I've just it's changed my life because I'm not scared to go up to somebody and say something anymore yeah and I don't I have this fear of being awkward too and I'm not sure where that fully came from I mean I was a pretty like growing up, I was, if I didn't know you, I was shy, but like, if you were someone like in my family or we'd literally like grown up together, like complete, I was just a completely different person, like very extroverted around certain people and around anyone else, very introverted and felt very awkward. Anytime I'd have a conversation, like you said, so like, but I could public speak cause I could plan it. Mm -hmm. But for me, like podcasting was hard because it was like, almost like I had to give myself permission to just ask questions that weren't on the script and trust myself. And once I started doing that, it was crazy how many more, like how much better my content was and my consumption rates increased, my downloads increased because I was asking genuine questions that mattered. So I finally just got to the point where I was like, you know, I tell other people, no questions, a stupid question. So why can't I just trust myself to ask the question too? Because that's what it is. It's a conversation and that's how people learn. And as a podcast host, as hosts, it's our responsibility to ask those questions for our listeners and try and make sure that they understand the conversation. We're pulling the information out for them. And so, yeah, it was, I finally just had to tell myself, you are not awkward. You ask good questions. Like it was a big mindset shift, but yeah, you kind of have to just give yourself permission and say, you know what, the heck with it. I can do all these things. I'm going to do all these things and we're just going to go for it. And I still have awkward moments. I know I do, but 
it's just part of it. Oh yeah. It's just part of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I don't know for you, similar kind of to what you just mentioned, but for me, at least in the beginning, I was so worried about asking every single question that I had on the script. And then like, I wouldn't even wait for the person to finish because I was so nervous. I'd just be like, absolutely on to the next question. And they're so, oh man, I cannot. My first couple episodes were so bad. I mean, they probably didn't sound as bad on the listener side as I felt like they were. But yeah, once I just was like, hey, it doesn't matter. You don't need, like, no one knows the questions you have written down. Just just ask the questions you want to ask. I know. And I, yeah, I kind of went through a similar phase with that. And anymore, like, I still have a question list just because, like, my questions are more targeted toward, like, management styles and stuff like that. And I, unless I do a more conversational one like we're doing today, then I, don't really do a question list, but I, yeah. yeah, so I'll stick to it. But most of the time, like I even did a live one the other day, a live podcast interview in my Rancher Minds group. And I told the guy, I was like, okay, Josh, like we are going to like stick to the questions. It's live. I'm not going to ask you anything off script. And we're talking. And next thing you know, I'm over here, I'm over there. And they were all pertinent questions. They weren't down rabbit holes. And we got done. And I was like, yeah, so I didn't follow any of the questions, but you did great. And he was just laughing. He goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> But I, sometimes I think those are the best, like you mentioned, the best content is when it's just natural and you're asking the things that you genuinely want to know. And if you're genuinely interested in your guests, then I think that translates to your listeners. Absolutely. So we've got the podcast. I know we just talked in depth about your journey there a little bit, but you've got the podcast and then you've got the Rancher Minds. And so Rancher Minds, that is really like a coaching uh, setup, right? So you, you're in it and then you get several calls or you just get one call. So Rancher Minds, it's, um, it, there's a couple of different package opportunities. So what it is, is I always recommend the annual plan because what you get is you get one, one Q and a call a month. Plus each quarter I'll throw in two bonus like live podcast interviews and you get access to all the recordings and you're in a Facebook group for lifetime. So even if you don't renew the next year, you're still in the private Facebook group where those live podcast recordings happen, those bonus calls. And so basically what it looks like, because you can buy in on a quarterly basis or you can enter on an annual plan quarterly. Obviously, you just get access to um, three of the Q&A calls, Facebook group, and then the two bonus calls as well. So it's just, um, it, you get a lot of content is what I really mm -hmm. try to provide people. And it's, it's kind of coaching. Not really. I mean, because it's more producer driven where producers get to ask the questions that matter to them coming up in 2024, we are going to do more organized goal setting and help people. That's kind of something my members when it comes to goals, like need a little more accountability, staying on track. And that's something that we don't talk a lot about in the ag industry all the time is like actually setting those business goals and staying on target and whatnot. So that's something that the annual plan is really going to focus on in 2024 is those members are going to get more access to um, finding direction and clarity for their operation, whether it's through me leading goal session or goal creating sessions, accountability sessions, and I'll bring in some other experts as well to kind of lead those conversations. But yeah, it's more or less an online community for ranchers to learn. Awesome. And so I'm assuming like the different experts that you bring in, they are 
focused in a specific area of mm-hmm. improvement, right? Yep. So like one example would be like, so quarter three, which we just finished was focused on cattle marketing and promoting. And so each month had a different topic, kind of like a subtopic of that category. And so then I'd bring on a couple experts to each call and then producers just kind of get to fire away with Q and A with Q and A. And then like right now we're focusing on business management. And so that's each quarter has kind of like a sub theme and whatnot and trying to figure out where I want to start with 2024. There's just so many different places we could go, but I pull my members and, you know, we have conversations and it's like, okay, what's going to help you? What topics are most valuable to you during these times of year coming up? What do you want to hear? So it's not just me saying, this is what we're going to talk about. It's what my members paying members want. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's awesome that you can, or that you do take in your members' thoughts and preferences and feedback into accountability when you're kind of creating the uh, schedule, I guess, for lack of a better term, for the next. Well, it's like, like I say, it's their group. It's like, like, it's not like it's mine, but it's their group. It's supposed, it's a community. So they have first say in, like, if we're having like a QA call. They're quite, if they submit questions in advance, cause I know not everyone can make a call if, so if someone can't make a call in live, but they still want to be a part of it and they paid, they submit a question in advance. I make sure to ask it for them or if someone's on the call. Like those questions get answered first before I ask any other questions to finish out the rest of the hour. And so I want it to be the same thing when we look at what topics are we even covering? Because if the topic doesn't, you know, specifically pertain to them or it's not as important or they aren't necessarily looking for that resource, we're not going to take an hour out of their time or the expert's time or my time. Like we're going to talk about stuff that matters. We're going to pack as much as we can into 60 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think people appreciate that. I'm sure. And just knowing that they're getting out of it, what they are paying for. And so I think sometimes in today's society, a lot of people have different opportunities for further education and stuff. And sometimes it's not, you sign up and it's not what you think it's going to be, or it's Mm -hmm. not, doesn't take into account your time and what you are really trying to get out of it. So, uh, that's awesome. I love it. Well, And it's like, they can join from anywhere. It's on zoom. It's not like most of my, I tell most of my experts, like don't show slides, just show up and talk, which my experts love too. There's a few of them. Like if we talk about cattle marketing, for example, or value-added programs, like I said, you know, prepare some of this data, but we're just going to talk. So the rancher, the experts can join from anywhere. The ranchers can join from anywhere. I mean, whether they're fencing in the calving barn, if they're in their office, if they're driving home from their kid's ball game, like just join. It's laid back. Flexible. That's awesome. Because we all have a lot going on. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. That's what I was kind of just going to say is the flexibility of ease of access is always, I think, great too. Would you say what, and this may be a, another kind of difficult question, but I just get interested from like a generational standpoint of the ever-changing current producer, I feel like in our mm-hmm. world, are they mostly like younger producers, older producers, or do you have a pretty good mix? It's a mix. I would say, I would say the older producers. So, and when I say older producers, I'm thinking like upper forties into fifties, probably more fifties. They are the more 
they're more likely to buy into like the annual plan and commit to that. Whereas the younger producers, so those who are in their mid twenties to thirties, they're the ones who are more likely joining like the quarterly opportunities where they're just getting access to, you know, a quarter at a time. And I understand that because I'm a younger producer. So, you know, some, when you're not as established, like finances and the beef industry getting started, like, as you know, it's not, it's tough sometimes. So you want to make sure everything pencils out, but, um, yeah, I keep it at a, I, my goal was to keep it at an affordable rate so that people can just join. And so it's really a variety, which is fun too, because then there's almost a sense of mentorship that comes in the Facebook group on the calls and it's not a forced mentorship, but it's great because even if like, you know, you have those experts that are on the calls and then after that, if someone has like a follow-up question, like they can either contact that expert or sometimes you see someone from that older generation chiming in and asking that question. So it's fun to see a variety of ages joining in on it and knowing that all levels of generations are still trying to learn. Yeah. How that's so cool. And I think there needs to be more opportunities like that to where people can just have a conversation and figure out the information that they need and build the community that you are very much providing them. So fantastic. Well, and you can enter at any level. Like that's the fun, that's the fun part of it. It's like, if you're a first generation producer, like you can come in and this is a community where people are willing to help you and say, Hey, we've been there. Or, you know, it's some, or if you're uh, in the rising generation or the senior generation, I should say, not the rising, um, they are, um, you know, if, even if they've been ranching for 20, 30, 40 years, they can still ask simple questions because there's so much that goes into ranching. And even if you are like a fifth generation producer, but like myself, sometimes things get missed. Not everything can be taught because we're being taught by our family members. We're being taught by humans who forget, who are busy. So some things just don't get passed along. And sometimes it's good that they don't because then you can learn stuff with a fresh mind. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one thing I have enjoyed through my podcast and meeting so different, so many different individuals and women, obviously in particular, but uh, the perspective, I think the perspective is just different. And as generations continue to be involved in operations, which I think is one of the purest forms of sustainability that we could have as a beef industry, uh, then things are going to change. But yet, like exactly like you said, right, where people and sometimes different family members have different focuses on the operation. And so just understanding the role that you play and where you have access to resources and learning it in your own way too. Well, and that's the other thing I say, like it's, you know, it's one plan per operation, you know? So if, you know, if you're the younger generation and you're the one who really wants to learn and whatnot, great, you can share your login with your parents. They can join the calls. Or if you tell me like, that's who they are. Great. I'll put them on the email list. I'll send them a separate link, like one per operation. Please have everyone join. Everyone mm-hmm. learn together. Yeah, that's super cool. I love it. That's awesome. So you've got the podcast, you've got Rancher Minds. Uh, are we forgetting any other business ventures as of right now? Podcast coaching. <laughs> podcast. Okay. Yes. Podcast that's coaching. That's the separate one. Yeah. Okay. So talk, let, tell us a little bit about that one and kind of that I'm assuming came from people reaching out to you because you are doing such a fantastic job with your own podcast. Yeah. People were reaching out for a lot of help and it was great. I love helping 
podcasters, right? But there comes a point when you get a lot of questions. It's like, okay, well, and I was starting to realize like, you know, if I'm, you know, people can pay me for this, right? Like what, you know, because I don't like working for other people, I'm always like, hmm, well, what could I do right now that people that's valuable enough to get paid for? And so that was part of it. And so people were asking questions and I was like, well, might as well give it a shot. And so very much kind of a secondary to the podcast itself and rancher minds and farming and ranching, but it's, I find a lot of fulfillment in it, whether it's one-on-one calls, I've got a workbook that is almost done. So pre-order for that launching soon, just to do it yourself podcast workbook for people who want to get started. And, um, I do group coaching as well. So yeah, I started that just because it was, I'd helped a few people kind of one-off people were asking questions and I was just so fulfilled by it that I was like, well, might as well keep going with it. Yeah. Awesome. And so people can sign up through, is that like a, is it a subscription? not subscription, but like a yearly, monthly basis or how does that one kind of work? It depends. Um, podcast coaching, I do a, usually do six week programs, whether that's six weeks one-on-one or that could be six weeks um, in the group coaching program, but group coaching isn't like continually open. That's open and closed. It just depends on the group. So the best place to like sign up and reach out to me about it is to go to my website, casualcattleconversations.com and just hit the contact me page or contact us page and send me an email. And then I'll get back to you about what's, you know, what opportunities are there. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if anybody's listening and they're thinking about starting a podcast or they already have a podcast and they are at a roadblock, definitely Shay is a fantastic resource. Uh, if you're not convinced after this episode, <laughs> then you need to go listen to her podcast as well. Um, but awesome. And then uh, we didn't even really get a chance to talk about this, but I do want to touch on it before we wrap up. But your journey, I guess, or kind of personal role in your family's operation as well, because I know you're still involved to that capacity as well, correct? Yeah. yeah so when I came back after college, I had my podcast, which was a part time income. I had another business, which was, or I was working for someone else, which was part time. And then I worked on my parents' operation and then eventually I got it down to where it was just my parents' operation and my podcast were my two main focuses, which is much better than being pulled in another direction with that. But my role, it, you know, I came back and I, I did a podcast episode on this. Like by the time I came back, like we knew that, you know, Philip and I were, we weren't engaged yet, but we're like, I was like, I'm going to marry Philip. Like, we know this, we know that the best opportunity for Philip and I is actually on his family's operation right now. And so we, yeah, I was open with that conversation with my parents, but I told them, I was like, I still want to be involved. Like we'll figure it out and whatnot. So my main role is, I mean, I help on the big cattle working days. I helped a lot with daily chores, especially in the winter months. I'm in charge of, especially in the summer, like I take out all the mineral, I check all the water tanks I do any treating for herd health, that stuff. That's my main role there. And then I do most of the fencing, a lot of that stuff, help with haying. And, you know, it was just kind of, I grew up, it was just me and my sister and mom and dad had us doing anything and everything we could to help on the operation. So it was a little of this, a little of that. And I do matings on my own cows and whatnot. And dad pulls me in on some of those meetings. So very much just kind of, 
I, I would call it entry level stuff with your right back on the operation after college where you're trying, you know, you've been gone for four years and you got to figure out, oh, you changed a lot while I was gone and you got to kind of get your groove back. And so that's kind of do a lot of stuff. I do, you know, that maybe wasn't a solid answer, but it's kind of anything and no. everything that I can help with. I mean, my dad just finished up his term as Red Angus president. So if him and mom were gone for like a week, it was just me on the ranch. And so, yeah, it was anything and everything, definitely not the primary or sole decision maker, just the younger generation coming back with lots of ideas and ambition and a desire to work. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes as I juggle stuff back and forth. And as I help my fiance with their cattle and or fiance husband, you gotta have to, you're going to have to get used to that one. <laughs> yeah. Help my husband with their, uh, cattle and farm stuff too. So yeah, just juggling back and forth and it's fun. Yeah. Well, I think you're at an exciting phase, right? You have so much in front of you in terms of now a brand new life that you're about, you have just started living, uh, and so many opportunities through your businesses and, uh, being involved in the cattle industry. So what a fun and exciting time. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I really enjoyed visiting this like flew by. Like I know I looked up and I was like, Oh man, we are, we are in it already. Um, yeah. but before we wrap up too, I want to make sure you can shout out the best place for people to find you if they're wanting to connect with you. Yep. Um, like we said with the podcast coaching, um, it's the same website where you are interested in connecting, have questions about podcasting or rancher minds or want to listen to the podcast. That's casual cattle conversations.com. And so everything's there. And if for some reason you can't find anything, then just hit the contact us page. And I usually get back to people within a day or two. So. Perfect. Well, um, if you are listening and interested in anything Shay has mentioned today, or just want to kind of connect with her, uh, please do so. That will be in the show notes as always. And Shay, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm glad we finally got to do this. I know someday in person, maybe yes, at like a sure. big trailblazer event. I know I couldn't make it to the last one where he pulled in Chandler pulled in both groups, but someday. <laughs> yes. Someday for sure. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks for more agricultural related content. And also be sure to check out your favorite podcast gear from www.agchicks.net. We'll see you next time.